Yes, you've made it to Friday here on the Airport Minute, uh, where every day, Monday through Friday, we recount the great saga of the greatest disaster movie ever made, Universal Pictures' 1970 film, Airport. I am one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Mark Cerulli, the other host of CovertOps.tv. And once again, finishing out the week with us is actor and voiceover artist and all-around great guy, Mr. David DeVries. Hi, guys. Glad to be back. Glad to have you with us. Uh, it's been uh, fascinating uh, discussing the, the actors' uh, world of, uh, of airport and dealing, you know, looking, at, looking back in the time capsule that is uh, the 1970 movie, uh, seeing real pros doing what they do best on the screen. Uh, we're going to continue on today with uh, Mr. Guerrero as he, uh, as he boards the bus of the, uh, trans- the transglobal sh- shuttle bus. There's a bunch of uh, different extras and character actors and people boarding and getting on there. And we watch uh, Dom get on, followed by Mr. Marcus Rathbone, who we will be seeing a lot of in this movie. He is kind of the constantly beleaguered past. And he's annoying me already, I want to point out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the first thing that I, I thought about was, um, you know, what was, the, what was the dollar worth in 1970 compared oh, to what it is now? Man. Because, you know, he complains about the $2 fare, and I was thinking, well, that's maybe what would that be about seven dollars now i mean it, yeah. it's actually uh yeah seven or eight dollars i would think that that's uh that's kind of a chunk of change for transglobal to be asking their their guys to be forking out you know he he might have a point yeah wait wait until he finds out about how much parking will cost in the 40 years in the future yeah, oh my god <laughs> so uh, he reminds me of <laughs> phil silvers remember phil silvers of course, in of course. in uh, it's a mad mad world with that with that uh, that guy. Oh. You want me to go there, down there? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you mentioned Mad Matt. Is it how many Mads are there? I think four Mads. Four Mads. Thank mad, you. Mad. Uh, mad times four world. Um, that you know, the movie kind of reminds me in terms of a business model of that. You know, this cavalcade of stars. Right. That yeah. uh, you know they 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 kind of round up. You know they call every uh, actor who has just been kind of jumped the shark and is marginalized just a little bit. It's like, hey, can you come over and do this disaster picture? We got a new genre we're going to start here. And uh, it, it it was kind of a little bit like the love boat. It was like the sinking love boat, except in the air. Yeah, yeah, kind of. A, I mean, it's been built back as far as Grand Hotel, I think. But it, this this one really kicked off that, major league all-star disaster fantasy island uh situation yeah i mean is there was there precedent for you mentioned grand hotel but was there precedent for this kind of you know uh so blatantly playing to uh people's fears in domesticity i mean of course there's the horror genre and everything like that but uh i guess this started this this whole genre yeah, I mean, this and Jaws and Towering Inferno and Earthquakes, basically, you don't step outside because you're going to be in big trouble. That's, that's, where, uh, that, that's where all these things wound up. Yeah, it sounds um, like our I, political climate these days. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Very true. Exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's, uh, it, it is amazing how many people they managed to fit into this movie. I mean, it, it, obviously, it's not the first time they had the, the cavalcade, like you said, if you think of the longest day and stuff like that. Oh, but, yeah. All these all, you know, how many people can they put on the one sheet? So, uh, 
Yeah, and and it worked apparently because this movie made a hundred million nineteen seventy dollars. That's about half a billion dollars nowadays. So obviously Universal had about a hundred million reasons to make more of these things, and they did. Uh, but you know this really set the tone for wh- where they wanted to go. And then the Zucker Maybe, brothers. I mean, yeah. we oh would never God. have the Zucker brothers without them, right? No, yeah. And it's funny. It, it, I ha- I wasn't familiar with this movie. I mean. I- Probably the first time I saw the whole thing was when Jim and I were going to do this podcast, and instant. And but I loved Airport. I mean, Airplane. I loved Airplane, and now it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, yeah. when I was watching, you know, the, the the beginning of the movie, I that's the only thing I could think about was Airplane because they made such <laughs> fun, <laughs> such fun of all of this stuff that you know they lay out as exposition. I just uh, I just loved it, you know. Oh yeah, and the over the over the top. You know, they they even did a homage or a parody of the Alfred Newman music with the <laughs> the trumpets and the violins, yeah. just sawing away. Um, but it works, and people. I've I've met a couple of people who have never seen this movie before. Mark seen pieces of it uh, until he watched the whole thing. But when people sit down and watch this whole movie, they wind up getting absorbed in it in a way that they didn't think was possible for an older movie like this. It. It does have glacial pacing. Yes. Once you, but, if you can get past that, then you know uh, uh, you're sucked in. Well, I mean, I wonder how many people just were agog when uh, Burt Lancaster, you know, made a call from his car yeah. uh, at the beginning of the movie, you know, because let's we, with we're, a full we're size an, receiver. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, we're kind of inured to that, but uh, you know, trying to go back to my seventh grade brain, I must have watched that and gone, wow, he's really important. Yeah. You know. Yeah, only like James Bond was the only guy that had something yeah, like that in his car. GPS tracking. Way, yeah, way. Yeah. yeah, and the president. And they're always, you know, I love the fact that there was just these phones just like located on the on, on a pillar, you know, like he's just mm-hmm. outside. He's like, there, there's a white phone. He's just going to pick it up and talk I'll, to I'll whoever he wants phone. to. Right. Yeah. <laughs> And and, uh, David, you're an actor. I mean, would you say that acting styles and techniques have changed radically from when this this movie was made? Uh, Yeah, I think that acting styles um, evolve Mm -hmm. throughout the ages. Um, But I don't I don't know whether, uh, you know, most people seem pretty believable to me. Uh, You know, it's. It's stagey because of the context and and the way it's written and stuff. You know, we can kind of see the story tropes coming, you know, from a mile away because, right. you know, that's just the way the this, this story was written. Um, and I think that, you know, unfortunately, well, for better or for worse, uh, you know, vagueness and obliqueness is kind of the... Uh, uh, what modern culture aspires to, you know, we just never want to be that Pinned down. Yeah. You know, nothing can be kind of, uh, on the nose too much or else it's just like, Oh God, that's so sentimental. And, you know, we, we've, the whole culture got sucked up into irony and, and, um, aloofness and all that kind of stuff. You know, there, it's important to remember that when this movie was made, you know that that kind of age of irony of David Letterman that, that and and all of the his uh, antecedents didn't exist. You know, so that level of 
earnestness or and indeed sentimentality uh it that that was real that that was kind of our uh baseline reality in the way we understood storytelling now we look at that and, you know we have this kind of detached ironic glance at it and we go oh, aren't they cute look at the way they do it's so funny but um but you know and in the way they the way they uh deal with their um their infidelities and and you know this kind of Delores kind of uh you know jocularly laughing off Dean Martin's serial infidelity and all that stuff it's just you know you would never see that today unless right. it was a send up you know it, yeah yeah since it says so much to, about our culture and and where we were and and where we are now you know to to watch something like that a lot of these acting styles seem to be it for audiences of the time it's kind of a shorthand for them you see you know you see a kid with horn rim glasses so you say this kid's a, like a poindexter type so we can we know what he's how he's going to respond in a scene and it it's almost like you know wearing the black hat or the white hat you know this is a good guy that's a bad guy just basically in how they're dressed and how they're acting the uh you know even mr rathbone here with being put upon for everything okay he's going to be the uh the nebbish who gets you know run over by uh by others along the way um yeah i don't think that don't... that messaging changes i mean i think that that is that cinematic and theatrical language that uh will not ever change uh it may it may have um decreased in its um Maybe it's more subtle, but that that kind of messaging is first of all, it's the way costume designers think. They all they're always thinking about how their part of the story is told, and and these are the elements with which they tell story. So um, you know that's the 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 degrees of difference are you know marked but i don't think that that's ever going to leave us you know yeah it it is and we're also looking into the past i mean it's it's the past within our lifetimes but you wonder how many uh elements will will fade i mean it's kind of like if you watched you know you watched bugs bunny as a kid and there were a lot of jokes in it but you when you watch them as an adult there may have been movies that you never saw when you were a kid they suddenly go, oh, I get that reference. They're talking about Peter Laurie, or they're talking about this or that, that you didn't know when you were a kid, but you can recognize now. I'm just thinking, there might be things that people like. You know, we're looking at a, we're looking at the Boeing 707 in this particular scene, and nowadays you're like, okay, it's a plane. But back then, when you saw a a four engine 707 jet, that represented something. That represented a lifestyle and a sense of the future and the sense of you know, being high tech and you know something you want to be a part of mm -hmm. is glamorous, and that's, that's an true. incredible shot if you look at it with with those two guys. I mean, it, it really gives you a sense of the scale of those giant planes. Well, and let's not forget that uh, that Air Force One was a seven hundred seven for decades before they yeah. finally upgraded to a seven forty seven, and there was a bit of a hubbub about that because it it was thought to be kind of excessive and decadent. But I did. I flew on a uh, a Boeing seven hundred seven. It was I was a, just a little kid. But uh, our family's first trip to Europe was on a TWA seven hundred seven, and it was state of the art. And that's that's really true. I mean that that plane represented. It was like the the equivalent of the SST in its day. It was as it was as good as it got. And mm -hmm. 
you know, and airplanes weren't buses like they are now. No. It, the, the airline industry really hadn't been commoditized in the same way that, that it is now where, you know, people actually dressed up yeah. to get on an airplane. Yeah. You know, they didn't wear track suits and flip flops all the time, you know. So that's true. All that, all that subtle messaging, you know, a, a cultural anthropologist would have a field day with this movie because of all of the, the, the different kind of meta information that's included in it, you know? Yeah, it, it's, it's a great view of the past, and it does kind of bring you back to how, how it was when you were a kid. You remember these things of the, the glamour and, the, you know, they give you little wings and stuff for flying on the plane and uh, it was, and all I the stewardesses were hot, right? Yeah. <laughs> they all look like Jackie Bissett. Well, they're the same. They're the same ones. They just continued working. Right now. <laughs> uh, what I, what I, re- one of the things I noticed about that scene was the, uh, was the uniformity and artificiality of the snowstorm. You know, that's some serious snow. You know, yeah. but it's so serious that it's just on the edge of okay come on really mm. you know i mean i could see the snowblower over on the side just kind of like yeah turn it up a little bit more guys you know because all the flakes are the same size and it's coming down torrentially which is you know necessary for the story but i wonder if the movie was made today if um if the snow would look like that probably not no i think it'd be a lot well there'd be a lot more action you wouldn't see them backing a plane out of the well first of know, all they the would have, they would have canceled the flight today absolutely so. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah well i wonder how many people like you know look at the movie now and go what the f- why were they flying around uh in that kind of weather they just shut down the airport right Right. Yeah, to root everything through Dallas and forget. Well, they could get <laughs> like above north. it. They could get above it. We'll get yeah. Above yeah. This. <laughs> well, and yeah, and uh, Mr. Guerrero would have been cavity searched the moment he showed up. So you know, the whole movie wouldn't work. <laughs> or uh, the idea of Helen Hayes getting on board with a wallet. Uh, you know, that that ain't gonna fly, yeah. literally. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 a movie that could only be made in its time. I don't, you know, nowadays it would be something like. Uh, well, like the Denzel Washington movie with uh, Flight, you'd be you'd start with the disaster and work your way backwards. Nobody has time to build up to the you know the crescendo of action. They have to be out of the gate. The before credit sequence would be all activity and shooting. It Guerrero would have been shot at out of his uh, out of his apartment, and the, uh, the police would have come back and said, "We lost him. He's somewhere in town." And you know, then they go to the credit. <laughs> Yes, there's another uh, there's another airplane disaster movie that's uh, getting ready to open, right? Uh, Sully. Sully, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, the Tom Hanks movie. Right, yeah. they shot so, that in Atlanta. Uh, it, sh- it, should be, it should be an interesting movie. Tell me they staged the landing sequence in New York. <laughs> I, I really don't know, but I, I wow. did audition for, the, for uh, a smaller role, and, and unfortunately I... Regret to say, I did not get the part, but, uh, but yeah, Shame on uh, them. I know. What do they know? Did you grow out? Of, maybe your mustache didn't come in enough in time. I or? don't know. No, I well, I was not auditioning for anything like that. Oh. But uh, and they also they also filmed Flight here too. So you know, Atlanta yeah. Atlanta is. Uh, I've heard that we, we're now being called Yollywood. Yollywood. You oh, get that's it? Yollywood. Yeah, the uh, the uh, 
Walking Dead are down there too. I mean, that's a that's a big shot. And yes, just about every, they're institutional every... here. They they're just entrenched. Now they're pretty far south, but uh, we don't see them too often. But um, yeah, they've all bought homes down here, and you know, oh, frequent nice. hoity-toity restaurants and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like the uh, the lost of. Uh... Of Georgia, and what's interesting yeah. is uh, in all the studios here in in L.A., uh, they're just filming TV and commercials. You know, most big movies aren't shooting here anymore. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting thing. You know, uh, Georgia did a uh, a very aggressive um, tax incentive sure. yeah. law with these tax credits. Um, a couple of buddies of mine were in- instrumental in getting that passed, and. Um, our governor has been very supportive of it, and it's it's been a goldmine. I think that they estimate that uh, it brought about eight billion dollars into the Georgia economy last year. Wow! Wow! So, yeah, uh, it's not well, insignificant. They've got, they've got so many different locations. They've got oceans. They've got mountains. They've got city scenes. They've got rural uh, places and rivers and all kinds of stuff. So the the location shooting is fantastic. Plus you've got uh, you know nearly year-round uh, great weather. Not too bad. I the problem with uh with Georgia production is that there's so much going on. I think there are, you know literally dozens of television series that shoot here. Mm-hmm. Um is that um the the crew depth starts to get a little thin after a certain number of pictures come in so that, you know, our top tier Georgia talent um, behind the camera is is terrific. Uh, and then you get another movie and we've got another another second line of talent that's terrific and a third line of talent that's terrific. But then it starts getting thin. And um, consequently, a lot of a lot of people have moved in the production aspect of film, have moved to Georgia to kind of take up that slack. So that's incredible. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, well, a great place to be. Then. It is. And they've got David DeVries. Yeah, they do. You know, yeah, they do. What can I say? It's uh, it's been an interesting um it's been an interesting time. I have a there's a film coming out um, later this month called The Founder, which is uh, starring Michael Keaton about the story of Ray Kroc and his um, creation of McDonald's as we as we now know it. It's going to be a terrific movie. It's um, directed by John Lee Hancock, who um, directed The Blind Side. And uh, I, I play one of his potential investors in it, and it's going to be, uh, I think, a lot of fun. It's a pretty sardonic view of the way uh, Ray Kroc got to be Ray Kroc, mm. you know. Mm. But but as um, as has been often said, uh, you don't get to be a millionaire by being a Boy Scout. So there you go. Is that uh, is that a Tom Hanks film? No, Michael Keaton's the star. Oh, Keaton, uh, okay. Laura Dern is. Uh, is playing his wife. Linda Cardellini is in it. Um, I'm trying to remember that the, who's the, the the great guy from Parks and Recreation uh, who plays the really kind of super conservative uh, dude. He's he is one of the McDonald brothers, and uh, it's it's a great cast. Well, I had a great time shooting it. We shot the scene. My sh- scenes were shot at the. Uh, East Lake Golf Club, which was, if you know anything about golf, was Bobby Jones's home club and course. 
And, uh, you know, it's got all of his trophies from winning the U.S. Open and the British Open and all that stuff. You know, he's like a god in there. And uh, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful golf course that I wish that I could have played. But, of course, we just uh, we just made a movie there. They shoot. They do the the players' championship there at the end of the year. The FedEx Cup is played at mm. East Lake. So anyway, it's it's a, uh, Nick Offerman is the one. Nick Offerman. Yes, Nick Offerman plays one of the McDonald brothers. Uh, nice guy. Just met him in the makeup trailer, but seemed like a terrific guy. So uh, wow. Well, it sounds like a fantastic film. I want to <laughs> really want to see this. Um, David, where, where can people reach out to you while you're online? Where, where can they find well, more about you? they can find me at my website, www.daviddevries.net. And, uh, you know, there's uh, you can find out a little bit more of what I'm doing and, and uh, what I have done. And uh, I'd appreciate uh, the visit. So, uh, so come check me out. That's great. Yeah, we'll put a link on our... Uh on our individual episode page for this so people can track you down. It's been a, it's been a really great week. Thanks for uh, helping us finish it out, David. Yeah, thanks uh, so it, much. It's been it's my been pleasure. Great. You know, Mark and I were old. Uh, we did work together many years ago, and it's great to reconnect with you, Mark. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Just we'll to hear to this voice, that. this great voice. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. Wow. Well, if, if uh, any of our listeners would like to reach out uh, on social media, you can reach us at a couple of different places. We're on uh Twitter at uh, Airport Minute. We are also available on Facebook at both Airport Minute and the Airport Minute Commanders Club, where a bunch of people get together and argue and uh, celebrate the <laughs> make sandwiches and coffee too. At uh, on on Facebook Commanders Club, uh, you can also get this particular uh, podcast delivered to you Monday through Friday, uh, first thing in the morning from uh, iTunes. Just look for Airport Minute and subscribe there. That's about it for uh, this weekend. Yeah, for, for this weekend, but get ready for Monday when we're going to watch uh, Dean Martin uh, check on uh, Barry Nelson to find out how good a pilot he is uh, here uh, for Minute 41 already. That's going to be on Monday uh, here at the Airport Minute. Thanks for joining us. Have a good weekend, and until uh, Monday, good day. Bye-bye. Nice going, sweetheart. Remind me to send a thank you note to Mr. Bowling. Mm-hmm.